Well, what's up, guys? Four Corners back with a big old episode for you guys. Uh, the highest number of guests we've ever had at once. And I'm super excited. I'm joined today. I, obviously, I'm Ray. You heard me many times. I'm online at Rayvon Hackshaw. Uh, joined my my uh, other host is Peter Buckets in 88. What's going on? What's up, Ray? Man, I'm feeling fantastic. It's the all-star break. I think this is the best I've ever felt at any all-star break in Nuggets history. You know, I mean, what was the one question we had about the Nuggets going into the season? It was the defense. And, uh, you know, they've stepped it up. They've, they've played better defense, but uh, we brought the Ds too. We got the double Ds. We got a double dose D for y'all today. We got Deuce and we got Dole. Deuce, what's up, man? How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm really good. Feeling the exact same way about the Nuggets. Uh, could not wait to talk about them with you fellas. Uh, feeling just great about the season. And, uh, you know, I've bounced back from my bones despair. And you sound very relaxed. <laughs> I'm, feeling, I'm feeling fantastic. Uh, so thank you for having me, fellas. Of course. And then we got we got Dole from the from the great north. You know, we're hanging out with all the sad Timberwolves fans, but he's still walking around smiling. Dole, how you doing? You know what? It, it wouldn't have been too bad for the Timberwolves uh, if they were to beat Washington the other day, but unfortunately, possibility. That's okay. The Blazers um, can't beat him either. <laughs> yes, but you know what? The Nuggets are rolling, and it's All Star break, which kind of sucks. But you know what? We got each other, so that's all we're gonna. That's that's what we're going to live off of for now for the next week. That's right. Cool. Nuggets Nation sticks together. And, of course, we got our producer, Jarrett. What's up, Jarrett? You guys got me to show up today? Yeah, <laughs> special occasion. <laughs> You've grown, like, a lot of beard since the last time you were on the show. I know it's we're audio only for now, but just picture, like, Mennonite levels of beard. <laughs> <laughs> it looks good if, though if that's how you want to describe it thanks ray yeah i'll take it also you know nice haircut you know you got, you got the little uh, swoosh going i see you <laughs> so uh we're here to kind of talk about the all-star break and you know this week of nuggets basketball and uh, just kind of consider some yeah you know, is this the midpoint of the season i don't think it's exactly the midpoint but i feel like it's the emotional midpoint uh so hmm. like to that. kind of jump into it, I mean, we had uh, kind of a bounce back week, so to speak, uh, not to rhyme too much. Wins versus Dallas, wins versus the Miami Heat. Uh, starting off with that Heat game, I mean, Nicole Jokic is really good. I feel like that's that's the where I, I have to start. And uh, Bam Adebayo. He's really good at defense, and I want to give him his respect, his flowers. Also, uh, at the same time, it you know we live in a we live in a league that defense usually beats better. <laughs> sorry, offense usually beats better defense. So, and that's kind of how this game went. Uh, Jokic pretty much had his way with one of the better defenders in the league, and uh, I feel like a lot of that. Uh, Peter, I'm kind of curious what you think of this. I mean, Bam is so talented defensively. But the way that the nature of the center position is in the NBA, I feel like it is almost his kryptonite. That there are these like two 
three, maybe four guys that I could list off the top of my head in this league that are just too big, too strong, too powerful, uh, even though he is an amazing defender. Yeah, I mean, it's not sexy to talk about on a sports show usually, but size matters. I mean, (laughs) some guys are just bigger, and if they know they're bigger and they know how to use their weight, there's not a whole lot you can do. Um, You know, especially Jokic does a good job of, you know, not like throwing elbows and shoulders. You know, he does it in a very controlled way that he's manipulating the space to get his shots off. And so it's it's pretty crazy, like, how the evolution goes as, as like, watching sports because the first few times they matched up, you're like, I'm really excited, looking forward to the matchup. Jokic gets the better of them. You know, and as we go forward, I'm like, okay, I'm not too worried about this. Honestly, going into this game, I just feel bad for Bam at this point. Like he, Jokic missed two shots the whole night. <laughs> you know, that's so Jokic yeah. isn't even worried about him. It's just like, oh, I'm playing this against this small guy who happens to be like one of the best defenders in the league and an all star. And Jokic just has like no problems with him. And that's just, it's just another amazing factor, like showing how great this guy is. You know, like here, he, he goes against certain other all stars in the league and just makes them look completely insignificant. Yeah. I mean, 27 points, 12 rebounds, 8 assists. Pretty clean game. Pretty sound win. Um, I think Thomas Bryant, uh, kind of his uh, first real kind of opportunity to make an impact for Denver. Uh, Deuce, I'm kind of curious. If, assuming you saw the game, what was your what have your initial thoughts on Thomas Bryant been this week? Yeah, I mean, obviously, yeah, I think high level my takeaway from – Honestly, both the Miami and the Dallas game is it just feels like the Nuggets can cruise to easy victories. And that just feels amazing as far as that's what I wanted to see from this team. I think this is the first year in the Jokic era that they were they're really able to kind of cruise the victories. Like it usually it usually felt like we had to work a little bit harder, um, even with collecting a lot of wins because we're so good in the clutch um, consistently. Thomas Bryant, man, like I think he is he's not the perfect fit for that third big just because I think the perfect fit would be a guy that could, you know, play next to Jokic and kind of offer some defensive talent. But Can I suggest the name? (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, of course. It's Um, not possible. It's not happening. But I would love to see Miles Turner next to Jokic. I feel like that's my personal, like – pipe dream sort of pairing with him yeah so like you know definitely not possible a pipe dream and realistically with our (laughs) money allocation like i think we're just going to be living with kind of cheap guys off the bench and uh, thomas bryant initially like a lot of energy which i think is huge especially in comparison to like jeff and d uh, dj who have played you know done a solid job in their roles and what they've been asked for this year but like thomas bryant brings a lot of energy for the bench, which I think is huge um, from that unit that may not be the most talented. Um, and I mean, he can just get buckets, dude. And I, you see, saw it immediately with the and one against Dallas and, you know, a couple buckets against Miami where end of the day, you're going to need some scoring off the bench to get through the rest of the regular season. And, you know, I think he's an extremely, extremely talented backup center that's proved himself in the NBA. So um you know we haven't seen him a ton yet but early returns i'm very very excited to have him on the team nice yeah i I too am pretty excited 
Ray, you know uh, my favorite thing about Thomas Bryan is? That he's no longer on the Lakers? This is a really nuanced take. That oh, he's okay. a center. Ah, you mean that that those guys that are like actually seven feet tall and actually 250 pounds or more? I mean, yeah, it's like we take them for granted, but I mean, seven footers don't grow on trees. So if you can get a good one on your team, and if you have more than one, you know, it's it's a good thing to have. Um, I that think it's kind be... of funny, like <laughs> it, it's just funny, like you know, the whole Warriors small ball like made everybody freak out, but. What happens? Teams still end up scrambling for like big guys. <laughs> yeah, I feel like this this era of basketball seems to be the revenge of the big man, where you know for the past like decade, maybe two decades, people are like, oh, you don't really need centers. I just get them out of the game. Let's just play with like five, six, eight guys, and it'll be fine. But I feel like now, you know, a lot of teams coming crawling back to uh, you know maybe Costa Cooper's can uh, pick up the phone, come back to the league, see what's popping. Oh my God, so, Goofus uh, again! But no, real quick on the Lakers, I I do think that we got pretty lucky because I think Thomas Bryant is much more talented than a minimum level player. I think he signed with the Lakers because one, he was coming off injury, and two, it's like the Lakers just always get guys who are more talented than minimum guys for minimum contracts because people want to play there, which I get it. But since their season wasn't going very well, thank you, Russell Westbrook. You know. I think he was finally like kind of fed up and being like, well, wait a minute. If I'm not going to get a big opportunity here, what's the point? So him kind of wanting out helped us. And, you know, we were able to jump on it. Yeah, it definitely did. And I definitely feel like he is uh, exactly we have the right amount and talent level of centers in my mind at this point. Uh, that we've got, you know, DeAndre still a good vet, still giving good advice, still a great vibes guy. But not on the court, you know, and that's pretty much how I like it. Uh, Thomas Bryan, I feel like he's executing it, uh, executing, uh, just sealing guys in the paint, getting rebounds, dunking the ball, all that good stuff. So I am definitely excited, happy to have him here. DeAndre's uh, moved Dole, to an advisory role. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dole, how excited are you, uh, or not excited, if, if you're not? I mean, he is a Laker, so that's, you know, there's some – it's going to take me a little bit of time to not think of him as, as such, but uh, how are you feeling about Thomas? Is half this season? <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's a wizard. He's a wizard. <laughs> uh, that's even worse, to be honest. Oh, man. <laughs> no, it's not. Uh, I mean, no, in the sense that I hate the, the Lakers, but there's something about being on the Wizards uh, that just makes you a worse basketball player. That just makes it just turns people into goofballs, and then once you leave the Wizards, I mean, I feel like you just gain ten IQ points. So that's how I feel. So has Thomas Bryant recorded a minute in the playoffs in his career? Do we know that? Mm, do the Wizards make the playoffs? No, that's a good question. I don't. I don't think so. Like that would be my initial guess. I don't think he has either. So uh, that's yeah, that's we'll kind of yeah that's kind of my point here is you know I'm interested to see what happens um, with Thomas when we get to the playoffs you know does he have a weakness that is glaring enough that we're going to see something uh, is there something that comes to mind for you that you think might be an issue well I don't know you you see this new style of five out ball and they take the center they'll bring him out and then they'll absolutely just like the guard will just switch on to him and they'll cook him so I. I think that, you know, not every team has that 
has that guy that can do that. But I mean, the Suns have that guy. And I think that the Warriors have that guy. And I think that there is the Mavericks too, who have two of those guys. So I think that um, Thomas Bryant is good, but you know, I, I, I think that there is a real possibility that he may not be playable in every single series that we match up in. So I, I think that that's something to look at moving forward. Um, maybe he is playable. Maybe he does do a good job. Um, we don't know yet because we haven't seen that in the playoffs. So I'm hundred percent sure that teams are definitely going to be testing him in the playoffs to see if he can handle that. And we'll, once again, we'll see what happens when that time comes, but yeah, so far so good. I, I think Thomas is a good piece and he's definitely better than what we had originally. Yeah. And, and uh, I definitely could see, you know, him getting not 90 minutes in certain matchups and a lot of minutes in others. You know, I think about the Timberwolves, for example, if in some form or fashion, they made it to the playoffs and matched up with the Nuggets, that uh, that would be a matchup that I think is like prime Thomas Bryant, you know, time uh, just for how many bigs that they have and how many they like to like approach the game with. Uh, maybe even the Lakers if they, you know, uh, but it's mostly, I will admit, all these bottom <laughs> lower half teams, but um, any team that kind of like plays through their bigs in that way. Um, uh, otherwise, you know, Zeke Naji, I feel like feel pretty good about him still. I, not not low on him at all. I have very good confidence that we may see Zeke Naji minutes in the Dallas Mavericks series if that happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like perimeter defense and switchability, I think is going to be really impactful. Absolutely. Um so well, hold on. I think I think that's a valid concern, though. But I also think that Malone is gonna be a little more exotic in the playoffs when it comes to like styles of defense. I don't think he's just gonna be running straight man to man. Like, oh no, they switched and he got cooked. Like, I think they're gonna do a lot of you know switching defenses and also like we've been running more zone, especially like with the big lineups. I've noticed they've gone big a lot lately. You know, especially like when Bones got benched they've been having to have some more success with the bigger lineups. And I think that's really key is like when you're trying to find the right lineups, when in doubt, go big. That's my philosophy. You want more length, more rebounding. Once you get to the playoffs, it kind of slows down anyway. And you just want more possessions and you want, you want to limit turnovers and limit them hitting the offensive glass. So I think, you know, there's definitely going to be times where guys are going to get beat off the dribble, but as long as it's not happening every single time down, I think that, uh, you can survive with a guy like Thomas Bryant on the floor. Yeah, I, I want to add on to that, Peter, a little bit. Um, I, I think that when it comes time for playoffs and you're playing a team like the Suns, I think that they're going to leave guys like Josh Okogie wide open. I know he looks good right now, but trust me, trust me, that'll oh, yeah. he's going to come crashing back down to earth in the playoffs, I promise. Open for a reason, right? Okay, well, I think that's that's not unlikely for sure uh, I, I think i feel like a big crux of that sort of dynamic is going to revolve around how well they can take advantage of his size offensively and for that i mean i think it's uh, a lot of pick and roll you know can they get him the ball on the inside can they punish teams for playing smaller you know being undersized in that way that i mean at least for now it's going to revolve around a lot of Reggie Jackson. So, um, Jared, I'm kind of curious, you know, what you think. I, how familiar are I know Reggie is kind of a local guy. How familiar are you with him? How much do you actually care about him? 
And do you think he will be good in Denver or relative to your expectations? So the local connection isn't really there, but just having seen him play in LA and Detroit before that, um, I've always been a little higher than consensus on him. Maybe not quite as much as the, for sure, the recent Nuggets reaction would have you thinking how good he is. But um, I'd, I'd probably say I'm a little above the average opinion of him. So I, I like the pickup. Um, there's definitely some concern that this just leads to us going back to Jamal, Bruce, and Reggie lineups altogether. And I know I can see it on your face, Ray. That's already making you a little nervous. I was going to get to that, okay? <laughs> but he he's a – so I'll, I'll beat you to the punch on it a little bit. But um, okay, he's a it. little more seasoned as a point guard, point guard, versus where I think that's – part and i didn't get into the bones conversation with you guys too much but um i think that was part of the issue is maybe bones has that point guard talent in him he doesn't quite know where the push and pull of that is and that's not all on him certainly i'll agree with that i think reggie's had to find that balance in his time from being a lead option on detroit he already got knocked down a peg when when that clearly didn't work so i i think that goes in his favor a lot um, he's having a down year this year. So that's, I think going to be my biggest question. Is that just a weird situation in Clippers this year? Or is that something that we're going to have to watch him work his way out of in the next month or two here? Interesting. Um, do you all kind of pass it to you? Are you, uh, is it cheers for Reggie or is it jeers for Reggie? How, how are we feeling? Uh, on that? I mean, it's cheers and you know, Obviously, if Reggie was playing at a high level, he wouldn't be available. So I think there's that obvious caveat. Um, But I mean, to me, um, there's a key weakness on this team, which was creation, being able to get shots up um, from the guard position. Um, I think, you know, Jamal Murray can't play 48 minutes. And I think even staggering him with the bench in the regular season was asking he is trying. Yeah, no, and he actually did a better – was doing a good job, but it's just a lot to ask for him. So as far as, like, finishing out the regular season goes, I just think it's huge because end of the day, Bruce isn't a scorer with the ball in his hands. Um, I think he has done a really good job, but realistically he's kind of like a secondary playmaker, like can run point guard with Jokic, obviously. But um, even if Reggie isn't shooting well, I think there's a lot of value in, like, hey, here's a guy that even if he – only makes a couple jumpers in the game, like just getting shots up with that bench unit during the regular season is huge. And I think that was, you know, without bones since it just didn't really work out this season and it was trending towards, he wasn't going to be playing in the playoffs, et cetera. Um, So, I mean, for me, I just think it's a huge pickup, just massive, just from a, you know, we'll see how he plays, but just as far as skill set goes, I think it was something that was needed and, I mean, he's a seasoned NBA player. Like, I think the upside for him is he, you know, if you have a guy that if he can even come in in a couple playoff games and he hits three threes, um, you know, similar to like Austin Rivers in Portland, like that's that's kind of the upside. Um, Do I think Reggie's a great player? No. But do I think he filled a need for this team and to get him on the buyout market as a contender, which is something that we've never really expected in Denver? I just think like, I just think it's huge. And I mean, I was extremely high on bones and it is unfortunate that it didn't work out because I saw a role for him on this team that I think was clear 
that it wasn't necessarily going to be filled by him. And so now Reggie gets a chance. Is he going to play well enough to be a key playoff rotation guy? I think to be um, to be determined. To be determined. And you know, I do think uh, you know. I'm not going to be surprised if he doesn't play well and doesn't necessarily end up being a key piece. But as far as needs go, I just think it's huge. So, so Dole, can I, can I give you my um, prediction for where, where they, uh, two months from now, what, where I think Reggie Jackson will be? Absolutely. Most hated nugget. I think he will be the most hated nugget Ooh. in two months. <laughs> Man, this but. is just, this is just the guy that's replacing Bones, so you're like... As a broken against... Bones man. <laughs> all right. I, 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 we're all broken Bones men, okay, <laughs> in a way. Literally. That said, I also feel like the nature... I almost, I've never been a huge fan of Reggie's game, to be honest. There's a lot of... Um, Don't say the, it. The bad kind of Will Barton, you know, to him. And while so, but here's the thing while I am not excited for Reggie on an individual level, I do feel like all of the uh, he's gonna have a, a big and a pick and roll big to work with and be comfortable with. Um, uh, so I think he is set up to do well. I just think that there is gonna be some moments where he just kind of earns the ire of the Nuggets community uh, is what I would say. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's fair. I mean, I have a couple points. First of all is, I'll be honest, I haven't really watched the Clippers this year, so I don't know how good or bad he's been playing. I'll just take people's word for it that he hasn't been good. But look, those two rosters are completely different, you know? And yes, of course, I'm going to tell myself that like glass half full, but to me, it's like the Clippers are just a bunch of ISO, you know, wing-heavy players we don't play like that at all. We have shooters and we have a really talented big man. And then, you know, when he's not in the game, they play are going to play Brian, who's a role big. So Reggie is going to have the ball more because like you said, we just don't have a lot of creation. So no matter what you think of his game, he's clearly better with the ball in his hands. I don't know how much he was allowed to have the ball in his hands on the Clippers. So he should be at least have a better chance of becoming more comfortable and being in rhythm. But uh, my second, so I'm optimistic about the move, but my second point is I just don't think there's a whole lot riding on him. It's not like he needs to come in and, and save the bench. If he works no. great, it's, it's like gravy, but uh, you know, I'll make a football analogy for you, Ray, your favorite. Oh, this is like go. a really good offense picking up a fourth wide receiver. Who's like just speed, you know, and you got, you can add that one extra play of the playbook where everybody goes out or something, and then, hey, if it works great, if not, well, he just turns the playbook back down. It's like the Chiefs adding uh, Kadarius Tony. You know, that was like – That's fair. Luxury, I mean, you know, yeah. He could be the most hated nugget, and it would be fine. Like, it's not like it would hurt the team all that much. But, um, Dole, I'm kind of curious. Are you – are you are you with me or are you not with me? That's okay. You can disagree. That's fine. I mean, I, I, I just want to throw out there. I mean, what do you guys – who do you guys think is the better player? Do you guys think Monte Morris is the better player or do you guys think Reggie Jackson is the better player? I, I have a feeling a lot of you will probably say Monte Morris, but I'll, I'll let you guys go ahead. Reggie Jackson is more talented. Yeah, I think it's pretty split. Monte's more stable. Reggie's more talented. Are you talking about today? Today. Oh, today, Monte Morris. Yep. 
Yeah. I would lean Monte, but I do think um, – I think it's close. I do think when it comes to what the Nuggets need, which is like maybe a little bench scoring and shooting, I do think I can see Reggie being better in that role. Sure. He's closer to being like an offensive engine, which – uh, you know, maybe I don't. I'm not gonna like his shot selection, but I do think that has value. Interesting. You do need that in in this. Just the it's an ingredient. I think in the in the the cake that is a unit. You need somebody to be the first option, and I he's think, much I think closer. Monte, to being that. Monte is steadier, but Reggie has more variance. Like he's more likely to go off for twenty in a playoff game. I got to hear Joel's take, man. I'm on the edge of my seat. I know. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm going around the the lines of you know, we're not we're not getting Reggie Jackson. I don't think for him to you know go off for you know 20 points like what we had our eyes set on the phones. You know, I think we're getting him for the fact of. I mean, I'm looking at his stats career wise, and especially this year, it looks like his assist turnover ratio is about two to one. Now, according to Montes, when he was in his career in Denver, he's about four to one. So obviously Monte takes care of the ball a little bit better. Um, and I think that that is huge going forward. But I, I think that there's a huge opportunity for Reggie to fill in a role that would look something similar to Monte Morris with a little bit better defensively. So really, you're taking away a couple turnovers for a little bit more defense, I think. Um, granted, both players aren't really high top. Uh, defenders uh, in the league, but I just think that the that's bar seven, is low. Yes, the bar is low. You're exactly right. But I'm, I'm thinking when Reggie comes in, I'm thinking that he's going to make the second unit and set up Jamal look, and he's going to make Jamal look so much better. I'm I'm telling you, if any of you guys are selling the Jamal Stagger stock, I'm going to buy all of it. I'm buying all of it. I think Jamal is going to look absolutely incredible with Reggie Jackson next to him. I will sell you all of my stock. Here, I am digitally handing you all of the stock. <laughs> You're selling uh, the stock. I'm selling oh the, the Jamal Murray stack stock. I'm selling it. Um, I don't really care for it. It just, um, we'll get to it. It's actually a topic I wanted to dive okay. into a little okay. bit more okay. uh, a little bit later. But yeah. Um, I, and you know, if I'm wrong, I will take that L. That's fine. Great. This uh, is, we're in first place, we're supposed to be happy. That's fine. And I would be happy if Jamal wasn't staggering with the bench. Dude, the only thing I'm just gonna, I'm just going to say this real quick. I'm like when it comes to like quote unquote bad shots, like sometimes I'm like dude, we're blessed with the most unselfish super. We're blessed with just beautiful team basketball. I'm like honestly, sometimes people just got to accept that like scoring is a talent in basketball and a lot of great basketball players miss shots. Like Sometimes you just need a bench guy to, to get some shots up. And Reggie's yeah. gonna take some bad shots. And it's just like, look, somebody needs to take the shots, man. Like somebody Bruce, you want Bruce Brown taking shots off the dribble? Like, absolutely not. So it's just like, yo, sometimes you just gotta roll with some bad shots and just accept it that that's part of basketball and part of existence in the NBA. And we're just lucky to get to watch freaking beautiful basketball 90% of the time. So I'll I'll jump in and say I think that part of that comes from the efficiency lean with all the metrics towards efficiency and optimization and what's the perfect look we can get in the last five, ten, however long you want to take it back, the push for it. Mm -hmm. It's just not realistic to hit that all the time. And you want to go for it as much as you can. And I think the Nuggets do a really good job of that. So I, I think I lean towards you where at some point there is a level where it's like just someone's got to get the shots up. 
someone's got to be able to actually generate the shot that they're willing to take. And I think Reggie can do that. I think Jamal staggering can do that as much as it might frustrate everyone <laughs> at times. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. I mean, I'll, I'll get into it, but um, I, I think at the end of the day also, like it's not fun to, to be restricted to the perfect shots all the time. Agreed. Uh, right. Like I think on some level, especially if you're the Nuggets and you're the one seed and you're five games on the next best team and you're up 20 points in the fourth quarter, like uh, third quarter, halftime, whatever it might be, they've got some room for some bad shots before it's really a problem. As long as they rein it in. So I did want to talk about Dunkle Jeff. I feel like he's had a really interesting week. In the sense that, uh, you know, Miami game, one for nine, 10 points, four rebounds, three assists. I feel like the first thing I want to say is that, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I don't feel like he played very well. And at the same time, no one puts together a game where it doesn't feel like they played very well, but looks statistically fine, (laughs) like Jeff Green. Um, and, And maybe it's the hand. I don't know. Maybe it's the legs, the the freshness of his legs. I don't know. Um, But I feel like he heard us talking shit. He heard me talking shit because he turns around, goes off for 24. Also, one of the most Jeff Green stat lines ever. Uh, One assist, one rebound, one steal, one block. And goes 11 for 16 for 24 points. I am so... I am impressed and annoyed like Jeff Green is like that that kid that he's in school and he's really smart, but he feels like it's not cool to try all the time to be an A student. So he gets like two D's and an A on his papers, and he somehow comes out the class with a with a C and just kind of like kicks it. I, That's just how I feel. Um, but right, yeah, I do some. I can give it. I can. I mean, here's my thing. Like. This is what I think is true about Jeff. Um, I mean, I think, honestly, the signing would be an absolute disaster if Michael Porter Jr. didn't get hurt last year. And I think Jeff ended up kind of being the perfect fill-in for him. And, you know, my take is kind of simply, like, Jeff is actually a really good fit with Jokic. Like, not a very good player, but, like, he understands how to cut. He is a good finisher. He is big. He -hmm. can play the 3-4 athletically. And so – I just don't think it's a surprise at all that he, you know, I mean, the game against Dallas, he put up 24 and how many of those points were assisted by Jokic, like at least three dunks. Right. Um, So I just think he's kind of like a good fit with Jokic. um, And I'm not surprised he had a good game playing some minutes with him. And I think that's very valuable to have on your roster on this roster, be a guy that can, you know, you can kind of trust to play some minutes with Jokic if need be. Um, I still don't really think it changes the fact that as a bench player, he isn't necessarily going to um, do a lot for you. But um, that's kind of my take because I just think like he is a smart basketball player. He's a vet, he's athletic, and therefore he's a good fit with Jokic. Peter, I see you have some thoughts, but we talk about Jeff Green a lot. Dole, I'm going to throw it to you. Um, how, how do you feel about Jeff's? consistent inconsistency as far as like what his outcomes are on the court um the dynamic of him working well with Jokic but 
you know, without Jokic not necessarily being the best player, that sort of thing. Yeah, I, I think that Jeff has played with several guys in the NBA. I think that that kind of helps. He's played several different styles and um, he's played with several different stars as well. Um, I think, uh, you know, Jeff Green knows what he's doing and I think he certainly can um, be a good player, especially in a playoff series, like in a game seven, like I would trust Jeff to go in and I'd, ah, man, I'd, I mean, I would almost trust him just as much, if not a little bit more than like Vladko Chanchar, like, which obviously is, I mean, he's like the darling child right now, but I mean, you know, Jeff's been there, done that. And it's easy to get adrenaline. It's easy to get pumped up for like a game seven, you know, you know what I mean? Um, I, I, I think one of Jeff's biggest flaws is that he just doesn't show up every night. Um, obviously I think he's really good at showing up on long periods of rests and then he shows up the next game when he gets his number called off the bench and he usually does place at least solid. Uh, I think you'd pointed out, you know, one for nine in Miami. Uh, Jeff has always been extremely inconsistent. He's been really streaky and that's just the type of player he is. Um, but I, I think that his fit with Jokic and the depth piece that he brings to the team is very, very important. I, I'm definitely echoing everything that Deuce said. Uh, Peter, I, I'm kind of curious what you think of this. So one thing I've been noticing with, with Jeff is that he has a lot of like weird turnovers lately. Uh, do you think it's like the hand injury? Do you feel like that's still bothering him? Somewhat. I think Jeff, I think when you give not 100% effort, you're more prone to making mistakes. That's, that's with anything in life. I don't think that just applies to basketball. So uh, I think you know, Jeff is kind of like, he's at that phase in his career where, yeah, he's not going to give you 82 good games a year, but if you use him sparingly, he can give you a good night here or there. I also think that this is a good case of like, all right, I'm make a long analogy here. You know, when like you move somewhere and you got to get to work. And then the first time you drive there, you put it into maps and it's like, all right, 18 minute drive. Okay. No sweat. And then you, you show up to work like 25 minutes later. You're like, what the hell? As time goes by, you figure out all the little tricks. You figure out where the potholes are. You figure out which, which side street has like more people coming out and you like, you're able to like be more efficient on your way to work. Right. Jeff Green's been around the block. He knows the beats and rhythms of the NBA season. The Dallas Mavericks were not mentally there. Okay. They were ready for the all-star break. Jeff was licking his chops. He was like, you know what? They're going to they're gonna rest Kyrie. They're going to play some young guys, but they're going to play some guys that are just kind of like thinking about Cancun. I'm going to play really hard tonight. And he did. And it worked. That's fair. I, I do think that might be even true. You know, that, that is um, something to really consider going into the last week uh, before the All-Star break that teams do, you know, kind of coast through. The Nuggets even, I think, coast through a lot of moments like that. So, understandable. Um, so, Doe, I'll throw it to you over time. What do you see as his best use case going forward? Yeah, this is, I think, his best use case is uh, against Phoenix. Um, I don't know if he can guard Kevin Durant. I don't really trust him guarding Kevin Durant. But I do trust him because he has a very close relationship with Kevin Durant. He may know a thing or two on how to guard him, how to defend him, what to you know say to get under his skin, etc. I think... Uh, he's a huge asset against the Suns, even like as a coaching, as a use of coach, coaching experience advice. I think that he's very important in that sense. Um, 
he might be some piece that teams may not recognize or specifically point out like, oh, well, he's specifically here because he's a KD stopper, but I, he's not really a KD stopper, but you, you get what Who I mean. Is? Jeff, yeah. Jeff, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I think that he's, I think he's a valuable asset in that sense that he could provide some uh, valuable attributes going towards KD in that series moving forward. I'm definitely, you know, that has me thinking like, what can you say to KD that would actually get under his skin? with the amount of like Twitter things that he's gotten engaged in. Uh, I feel like he's taken a lot of smoke in general. So I'm, I'm kind of wondering, you know, cause vets in the NBA have said some things, especially in contentious games in the past that I think go beyond uh, what some people would consider the pale. And, you know, I'll definitely be thinking about that. I, I don't know what it is. Maybe his hairline. We'll see. Uh, absolutely so now you got me thinking like the, out of all the matchups in the west i feel like the one team jeff would probably play the best against is memphis you know because they're kind of like they try to beat you with size and physicality but you know and they want to take away the three jeff played really well against them earlier in the year you know cutting and getting all those dunks from Jokic. so i feel like that would be a series where there wouldn't be a ton of three-point shooting compared to like other series so i feel like he might be able to make an impact there whereas like against the smaller quicker teams he's just going to get cooked like he did against the warriors last year that's fair i mean now i'm flashing back to that rebound that he didn't get but um <laughs> let's be I real it wouldn't have mattered like it, it wouldn't maybe it wouldn't have it probably would okay it almost assuredly would not have mattered in the long run like maybe they, they probably don't win that series it's just a sour note. <laughs> I mean, yeah, Boogie did have a huge impact on that game. Um, but I just, it's a trust thing for me. Like, do I trust you as a teammate? Do I trust, you know, if, if we're in pickup even, like not even the playoffs, and I see somebody take a rebound that, that rolls like right between your feet, I'm not really going to, I'm not picking you next time. <laughs> like, that's just how it is. Um but I mean, you just can't I let like, some things go. No. Can you? no, I can't. <laughs> I like, like. I mean, I like. I really like the. Let points. go. I no. really like the points both Dole and Peter made. I thought smart points about Jeff, but mm -hmm. I just I kind of disagree about the trust thing, man. Like I think it's, you know, I think you look at weaknesses of the team. It would probably be like, hey, it might be nice to have one more wing defender. I mean, thinking about it, like. Jeff in a playoff series is probably a guy you can put out there and we've seen him play good individual defense before in certain mm -hmm. matchups. And he's definitely not a guy I trust night to night, but I mean, I think he's a valuable piece to have at your disposal in a playoff series. I do. There is like a narrow context and Jared, I'm, I'm curious if you, maybe you align with this, maybe you don't. I feel like if Jeff sat out the rest of the season, I would be all in on Jeff in the playoffs. <laughs> you know what I mean? I feel like Jeff with like fresh legs where he's at most likely to go for rebounds and have energy and cut hard. And like he was in the early beginning of the season, you know, that's, I like that version of Jeff. I just don't trust that that's the one we'll get at the end of a long NBA season. Uh, especially if he's playing on a regular basis right now. Yeah, Ray, I think we were going for kind of similar 
endpoints with different ways of getting there. Cause I was more thinking, um, I really lean more towards, we don't know if he's just kind of being the vet who's taking the regular season easy and he's going to pick his spots or if he's actually lost that step where he doesn't even know when he's going to have it and when he's not. And I don't really know, even if we sat him out for the whole year, I'm not sure we would know the answer to that until you throw him out the there moment. for a eight minute stretch in the second quarter or first leading into the second in a playoff game. So I think, unfortunately, I don't, I don't think there's a good way to predict whether that's he's pushing crossing over that threshold or if he's just taking his time to get to that point. So we're, I think we just have to kind of find out with Jeff and yeah, we'll see. In fairness to this is actually one of Malone's strong points. If it's not working in the playoffs, we have seen him move away from things. So Eventually. I would not be surprised if we see Jeff in right. a game one or two of a series and then no more. Or mm-hmm. we see him for a full seven-game series, kind of like what Dole was saying, if the matchup lines up well. That's fair. Um, we'll, right. we'll see what I happens. want you to be my boss one day. You're always trying to give people like the most most amount of time off like you just want to give him off the rest of the regular season you want yes. to give Jokic off like all the way through december after he played in the world cup like yes what is going on you don't get better at playing basketball by not playing basketball mm, you do when you're 37 <laughs> 36 peter are you sure you want that when he's still hanging on to one okay. rebound from a year ago I mean, you, just, you were just very concerned about this. Mean, I think we yeah, have, to be honest with you. I think we've talked about Jeff Green long enough. We have, we have, we could give him like the last, okay. We can give him like the last eight games of the season, you know, get warmed up and stuff, get a little jog <laughs> out there, uh, get you. back in a rhythm. But, but like for the most part, I think his legs will be fresher. Uh, he can spend some time in the gym, spend some time getting some massages, do whatever you need to do to get, be prepared yeah. for the playoffs. Cause that's what matters. I don't care if a player goes for his career high in January, February, uh, it's it's irrelevant to me. I just care what you do in the playoffs. And so right now, I appreciate 24 points, uh, but, you know, save it for when it matters. That's how I feel. Yeah, um, let him get some run. Let him go off for 20 against the tank team. I don't see – I mean, that's good for his reputation, I guess. Um, let's take a break. And, and on the other crap. side – <laughs> uh, I've got uh, a curious question for the group, and we will talk about All Star Weekend. And we are back. So, uh, Peter, I, I will start with you. I have a question. It's kind of summative. I'm curious. So, can you give me three things? Give me one pleasant surprise you've had this season give me one disappointment and give me one thing you're looking for uh going forward it could be something that you expect to happen or something that you hope for all right so pleasant surprise is easy for me it's Flacco Chanchar I did not think this guy was going to be an NBA rotation player uh, I didn't think he was going to be a good rotation player. I mean, I don't know if he's like above average yet. I, I doubt his PER is a 15, but he, he definitely seems like a positive player in his minutes. So uh, Chucky, you know, I love him. And uh, 
Remember, we were at the bar actually. That game in OKC, he had that crazy game. Yes, earlier in absolutely. I when I did the high fives. Yes, I yeah. high fived everyone in the building pretty we much. Were, we were chanting his name, so uh, you know that was pretty cool. Uh, disappointment. You know, I have to stick with the same position. Uh, I was really hoping for a Zeke Naji breakout season, and I don't think Zeke's been bad. But unfortunately, he just hasn't really found that consistency. And it's the sad thing is, it's not for a lack of trying. Like, Zeke probably plays some of the hardest out of all the guys on the team. Um, he was playing better lately, and then he got hurt again. And now with Bryant there, I feel like his role is going to be kind of muddled. So I don't really know what to expect going forward there. Um so that's going to be interesting to monitor. And then that's fair. I guess what I'm looking forward to is just how is Malone going to maximize the roster, you know, the bench units and what is he, what is he going to try to do? You know, it seems like he always defaults to defense, right? Like we've seen this for years. Like at, at the end of the day, when all else fails, just trust Tory Craig and put him out there and we won't score and it'll be ugly, but we'll have to try to win 96 to 95. You know, and a lot of that does end up happening in the playoffs. So, you know, does that mean he's going to play Christian Brown in a big spot? I don't know. Probably not. But it's just going to be interesting to see, like, who he ends up trusting. Because he's going to have to cut down at some point. Yeah, you would think so. But I, my hope is kind of that it's it's selective. That, that uh, sometimes it is Zeke that doesn't play. Okay, sure. But sometimes Zeke should play, I hope. Even like next to Thomas Bryant, I feel like it's a great opportunity for him. Just in the sense that I think back to last year where uh, Boogie and, and Zeke, I feel like they kind of made a great pairing. They could both space the floor, could both be physical. Uh, I think Zeke, you know, just made it, made his job easier. Uh, sorry, Boogie made Zeke's job easier. So, yeah, no, I think that those are some uh, great things to think about and, and look ahead to. Um Deuce, or to you, yeah, I'm curious. So one yeah. pleasant surprise, one disappointment, one uh, thing you're looking ahead to. Yeah, I think Flatco is the best answer. I'll go um, pleasant surprise is I'm going to go with Bruce Brown's shooting and scoring. I still feel in my heart that it's not surprising that defenses don't close out on him. Like I, I still would be concerned about Bruce Brown in a closing lineup or in your major lineup in the playoffs, because I do, I still kind of feel he is a little bit of a Mickey mouse shooter where it's like, Hey, he's open. He takes a long, long lead up to that jumper and it's hits the ceiling of the stadium before going in. But I got to give him credit. He's hit a ton of big shots this year. He's made a lot of nice floaters and, you know, his offensive game has really impressed me. So I'll say pleasant surprise, Bruce Brown, who I knew was going to be a nice player, but I thought he would be more inconsistent as a shooter than he's, he's been. Um, disappointments easy. Cause I'm such a, a bones guy and I don't really want to talk about it, but bones biggest disappointment, just cause I really, really was hoping he would be a nugget for a long time. So that would be biggest disappointment. Um, biggest thing I'm looking, looking like moving forward is end of the day, we love to talk about the complimentary pieces in the bench because that's kind of where more 
you know, more flexibility lies. But I mean, for me, I would say Michael Porter Jr.'s athleticism and just kind of how he looks as an all-around player down the stretch, because I think end of the day, I'm confident Jokic is going to play like the best player in the world or one of the best players in the world in the playoffs. And any time he steps on the court, um, the Nuggets need Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. to play at a really high level to win a championship. And I think I've been kind of notoriously a little lower than consensus with regards to Michael Porter Jr. And, you know, I think he's showing a little bit more athleticism lately. And I think he's showing a little bit more, you know, at, with reps and not surprising, showing more to his game. So I just want to keep seeing like, hey, um, can I finish? Can he finish plays at the rim? Can he draw fouls? Um, because really that's his next step. Um, it's one thing to be a great shooter and to shoot spot up jumpers is another thing to be able to attack the attack the rim and draw fouls. So I think we're seeing some positive development there. And like, let's just hope it it keeps rolling because if he, you know, develops even more as a weapon and we already have the best offense of all time, statistically, like it's just going to be really, really spooky. So I would say those, those are my three, uh, three answers there. Nice. Nice. Um, Dahl, I'll throw it to you. Um, also, yeah, I do love Mike. But yeah, Dole, uh, what's up with your, you know, surprise, disappointment thing you're looking forward to? So the surprise, I think, is is a combination of two things. I think at the beginning of the season, we weren't really thinking that the Nuggets were going to be at the All-Star break looking down at the entire conference. And really, they're almost looking down at the entire NBA. I mean, they've, what, half game, game out of the Celtics for the lead maybe two something like that but they're right there mm-hmm. is what i'm saying and that's awesome they have so much more room to like break away and uh um kind of um rest and you know get ready for the playoffs um i think that that is my sur- surprise also in conjunction with my surprises is no major injuries no one's really been hurt for that long it's only been a couple games here and there and then mike for a little bit but yeah it's it's been great so um i i really enjoyed Seeing that, um, my disappointment is I, I think I'm gonna have to piggyback on Bones because I, you know, I love Bones. I think he's a good player. I think he's gonna be a good player in a couple of years. Um, he's just like 20 pounds and about three years, two years of experience away from becoming the champ, like the final championship piece that's going to bring the Nuggets like multiple championships home. At, and that's what I was always banking on, whether he didn't play this year or not. It sucks that we had to trade him and it sucks we only got two seconds from him. Um, so I, I think that that was a huge disappointment. Um, and then the thing that I'm looking for in this second half is Jokic points per game to go way up. He's going to be starting to get ready for the playoffs. He's going to be cooking teams. He's going to be looking to get in his groove. And the team's going to be looking for him to get his championship step up to the next level. And I'm thinking we're going to see a Jokic 50-piece coming up on the second half. So right now, Jokic is averaging 24.7 points per game. What do you feel he will average post-All-Star break? Hmm. 24.7. I'm thinking that we're going to see a not a huge uptick, but we're going to see like one, two, maybe three games where we're going to see him score in the 40s. Um, I'm thinking that's going to kind of inflate his number a little bit, but I – I'm thinking we're going to see about 26 and a half to 27 and a half points per game. 
Uh, and I think that'll also help a little bit too, because minutes per game will also be cranked up a tiny bit as well. So um, I, I hope that he can get his three point shot back. He doesn't really take it as much. Um, and I, I know he's had that little issue with his wrist, um, especially in the shooting hand. So I'm not sure how much that plays into it. Another thing that I've, I've kind of asked uh, a few of the Nuggets writers about, I've just DM them individually. And this was right around when his wrist flared up again, where he took a game or two off, I think. Um, and he said uh, it was against the Lakers before they played the Lakers on national TV in LA. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure they lost that this game, but uh, Jokic took a ton of three pointers before the game. So I'm not sure if, you know, he's got that high arch and the wrist really moves um, really far back and forth. It's like almost like a catapult shot. Uh, I'm not sure if that kind of uh, the longer distance taking high volume affects his wrist, if that tires it out. I, I don't know. I, I, I've asked them that and they said, yeah, you know, maybe that is could be it, you know, if he's taking those lot of threes, but just something to note, he doesn't really take a lot of three pointers when he warms up. He rarely goes out there and shoots them. So I'm not, sure if uh that plays into it at all but i'm hoping hoping that he can get his three-point shot his mid-range shot looking perfect like it was in 2020 and if we get that Jokic, then i mean you might as well just pencil him in to go to the finals because they're not gonna there's no way the suns are gonna stop him or the mavericks clippers whoever you want to throw at him yeah that is exciting uh it should be fun the fact that Jokic is just this unsolvable puzzle i mean i love it so <laughs> Uh, what can more can I say about that? I mean, Jared, uh, I'm curious about yours. Uh, pleasant surprise, disappointments, things you're looking ahead to. So for the surprise, I would actually probably just go with Jamal feeling like he's been ahead of schedule this whole time. I know it might not seem like it in the day to day, but really there was a very realistic world where he was just starting to feel like Jamal early february like a couple weeks ago whereas i feel like even like by late december we were at least seeing spurts of oh this is going to be okay we're going to be all right Mm -hmm. so and and i don't maybe that's just me i was going into the season a little paranoid but i i was really thinking that we could be sitting at all-star break like all right it's time to time to start ramping it up jamal (laughs) and of course this current knee thing aside we'll see how that looks after the all-star break um, as far as disappointments, it's it's really a slight disappointment, but maybe Bruce Brown's defense, it's it's not quite as versatile as we probably wanted it to be. You're saying he can't play one through five? <laughs> Don't tell the Nets that. Well, yeah, uh, that's fair. So, I mean, it's it's a small one. So I, I really don't have any anything too huge as far as disappointments personally. So... I, I had to go with something small, but that's fine. I don't think what there are, are too many things to be disappointed. Right. About. Right. Of course. That's part of it too. Of course. That's part of the surprise of the season. Um, mm-hmm. One thing I'd be looking forward to in the second half is with the season that Aaron Gordon has had, I'm curious to see if they kind of turn not in real crunch time, but mix it in as a look, turn the Jamal Murray and Jokic to, two-man game into uh, some of those three-man plays that they mix in. And you see it mixed in, especially when Aaron Gordon first came back, came around to the Nuggets. They almost like to try to get him more involved. They would work a lot of actions with the um, pick and roll leading into Jamal going off an Aaron Gordon screen after or before the handoff. Mm -hmm. 
I'm curious to see with the season he's had and just how efficient he's been and how willing he has been to find his spots to shoot versus hand the ball off, move on, set a screen. Again, you don't go away from the Jokic Jamal two two man combo. But if they can mix it in, it just gives them another potential crunch time look to throw a team off. That's fair. Yeah. I mean, I think they have a lot of options in that way. So I'm like, I want more of that. I like my favorite play. One of my favorite plays for Denver is their, I don't know what they call it, but it's, I think of it as like a screen, the screener play where they have a pick and roll. And then the guy who sets the screen then gets a screen set for him. And that's opened up Aaron Gordon for a lot of like lobs and things like that. Right. Right. Some Uh, of those actions. I'm, I'm curious to see if they try some of those later in games. Yeah. Or with Mike, you know, I think Mike also, you know, has had a good, strong, um, even a few days, like I was watching the uh, Dallas game when he had some great drives off of his shot um, as far as like pump faking and using what handle he does have and his length to get to the rim. And I feel like that's a big point of growth for him. So my turn. I have, so surprise for me, actually, uh, more to that point, has mostly been Michael Porter Jr. I am really impressed with, obviously, his health, Jamal's health, you know, those are critical. Those are important things, and we need them to be healthy, and the fact that they are is amazing. It's great. I'm so happy. He's playing at the same level he was playing at before he got hurt. Right, right. Why is that surprising? It's not surprising. It's surprising. Oh, his play. Right. Uh, as far as Mike, for me, it's his maturity, actually. Oh. It's not so much his level of play. It's that Michael Porter, for a guy who is so talented, who uh, I, I think might be the second most talented nugget, his willingness Stop. to... No Come shame. On. I have no shame. Okay. Uh, his willingness to take a step back to be willing to stay in the corner, to take a bunch of catch-and-shoot threes and play defense and rebound and do the little things. Uh, stay for guy <laughs> And stay off Snapchat. Yes, that too. You know, I think he has matured in a way that's really meaningful, that he's been through a lot. And I have a lot of respect for how far he's come as a player and, and frankly, like, as an adult. You know, I just see a lot of uh, humility and and seriousness and how he approaches the game. And I know he wants to be great and that makes it all the more impressive to me. Um, y'all not going to like my disappointment. Uh-oh. It's Jamal. It's, it's Jamal in this, in a sim, you can, you can, you want to leave, you can leave if you want. I will, I will, I will blame you. <laughs> But I will ex- I will elaborate. I'm happy with his. He's averaging a level. career high in assists. Mm-hmm. That's great. He's also playing. Uh, so I part of why I haven't loved the stagger. Um, there's, I think for Jamal, his growth has. You know, I love that he's back to kind of the bubble himself, you know, the, uh, that he's scoring a lot, that he can put up 40, 50 points any night he wants to. And I've been really impressed in that sense. Um, where I have been that impressed is kind of the ways that I have been impressed with Mike. 
is that when there's like a conflict about oh, minority and here. role and like <laughs> you know who yeah. needs to be getting a certain amount of run and that sort of thing i feel like i was hoping that jamal after you know he's he's 27 i think at this point i was kind of hoping he's a little less insecure about those things that he doesn't need this like I need to prove myself. I need to prove that I'm an all-star. Um, I need to prove that I'm who I am. And I get that he needs that for him, but I kind of, all the thing on the same way that I think Mike, I love that Mike is willing to take a step back. I wish that Jamal was a little bit more comfortable in a similar way of uh, in being willing to embrace like, Jokic ball in, in a, on a level that yes, Jamal and Jokic have this great two man game, but I feel like so much of the time that Jamal spends with Jokic is about them as a pair and not oh, so much about the unit. Yeah, I'll agree. He wants to go to it. Mm-hmm. That when Jamal leads the bench, it's I'm really happy that Jamal's been able to get himself going, that he's able to find his own shots. I just feel like, and yes, he is having averaging a career high in assists. He's also playing a lot with the best player in the league. I, I'm, I'm not gonna lie; I would get a lot of assists playing with Nikola Jokic. You just have to pass him the ball; he will put the ball in the basket at least six times a game. I feel like what I was hoping for from Jamal, especially leading the bench unit, was him understanding and leveraging his ability to score, not just to get himself going, but to get the team going. Um, and understanding that if he's willing to take a small step back as a scorer, that he can commit more to the defensive end, more as a rebounder, and be a well-rounded player in a way that I think would actually bring him closer to being an all-star, to being the guy that he wants to be, to being the true, uh, being Jokic's counterpart, not just his sidekick. That's how I feel about him this year. I still love him. You know, I still, I'm happy. He's putting up big numbers that he can get buckets on anybody and that he, it doesn't really, it's not really necessary that he, um, because he always has Jokic, but I think for him and for the Denver Nuggets, what is really, I want to say missing, but their biggest weakness maybe for me is having that alternative floor general that, you know, you can look at, Bones or Reggie Jackson or Jamal and not for me, I don't really see that in them. And yeah, you could go out and get a Monte Morris. And I understand that too, but it's rare that you find a guy who can be the floor general, who is also not one dimensional that, that Monte can be the floor general, but he's not really an offensive engine. He's not really a great defender. He's not really a great rebounder. Jamal could be all those things. You know, Jamal has the size and the talent to be a great scorer, but he could also leverage that better to be a guy who makes his teammates better as well. And I think that would make me more confident in the stagger and and his talent outside of playing with Jokic. So that's, I don't want to say I'm, and and this is like a nitpick on on some level because they're great. They're the one seed. They're likely going to be champions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and so I'll say all that to say, what am I looking ahead to? Rings, Ernie! 
<laughs> Ray, just re- I won't tie this down for too long. I just okay. want, I think it's worth noting that I think the Nuggets are more of the exception than the rule in the amount of guys in their primes that have accepted those roles and been willing to take this take a step back. I would be willing to take a bet that if you looked around, even even contending in playoff teams that if you looked at all their players that were in that 26 to 29 range, more of them are probably leaning closer to Jamal than say a Porter or a Jokic in mentality. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I agree. Uh, okay. Jamal is a lot more like Kobe. Like he has the mentality. He has the hunger. He has the drive and he's kind of wants to do it himself. I, <clears throat> I like, I feel like we have to talk about Jamal after that. So I don't necessarily want <laughs> to. That's okay. Jamal. I think, I mean, to me, honestly, bro, like, I think it's not even a mindset. Like, I think it's almost talent related where it's just like, that's kind of the player Jamal is. Like, I think his issue has always been kind of like speed of processing the game. I mean, like, yeah, just in my opinion, like watching Bones as a young point guard versus Jamal, Bones, the game came easier to him. Mm-hmm. Better passing, able to take pull-up jumpers, where Jamal, it was like, he is mechanical where it was just more of a challenge for him and so i'd you know i would definitely i would push back on like him not facilitating because i think it's not that he doesn't want to like i think he's i think his all-around game is like very strong to be honest i just think his biggest issue as a player is just like quicker decision making like i think i personally i think it's talent more than mindset and that's something that he's continued to get better at but just kind of in my opinion and i think all nuggets fans with a little of the jamal angst along the way is just like he is a little slower to process the game than other great point guards etc so that's that's all i'll say i think some of the points are valid and i would just i would probably just push back on I do think he's like he deserves a lot of credit for his all-around defensive effort, rebounding, passing. It's just like he's just not a he's not a super high-level reader of the game, in my opinion. I think of it as control of the game. You know, Jokic controls yeah. the game by understanding like who needs a shot now, who's open over there, who's open over here. What's the likelihood that they're going to make their shot? Are they in rhythm? Are they having a good day? Did I say hi to them earlier? And they were in a good mood. Let me set them up. Like, it's all these, like, little personal things. Um, And, you know, he's had the one triple-double, and I was super excited for that. Like, that's the Jamal Murray that I want. Um, But I understand. Yeah, it's not entirely, like, a lack of will. Um, But I think Jamal is a tough player to, like – build around in that way because i think he tries on defense but he's not super athletic all the time in a way that i think he needs lonzo ball like the player that he needs to be paired with needs to be big because he's not particularly big like yes he's a big point guard but if he gets moved to the two he's not you know christian brown is also a two and christian brown's like way longer than he is that, then I think of him more as like the prototypical size for that. So um, I think he needs like the player who can be next to him, who can be a good defender, who is also a good floor general. Like I think that's the it's pretty ideal. Much, it's pretty much only Drew Holiday. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's Drew Holiday. I mean, Monza Ball's not healthy. 
yeah it's i don't know grievous vasquez like that archetype of player <laughs> like a big physical guard who can make up for his lack of physicality but also be the point guard uh that's kind of what i hope they find eventually you know and bones obviously isn't bad um but i do think he's a good rebounder as long as he's playing point guard the last thing i'll say is i mean i do i think the thing I don't think like people are tweeting bubble Jamal's back. I mean, I think the thing for Jamal that has never put him into the star territory is athleticism. And I, I think he came into the bubble in just unreal shape. And I think from literally the first preseason game of the bubble, you could see him blowing by guys. And I don't think we've necessarily seen that. I think, Mm -hmm. um, and that's no issue with that. He's coming off injury, but I mean, I do think the thing that puts Jamal into um, an all-star, like a legit top 20 player is, getting his body to a place where he's got the burst. Cause yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think he's quite there right now. I agree. Like the back meter is Jamal back or not. I've, I've stuck to this idea that like, I don't think he's going to be what I will consider fully back until next off season until next year, because he gets a full off season to get himself back into that kind of shape. And I think that's kind of the shape that he needs to be in. Cause he's not intrinsically, you know, some guys, they could be like at 80%. And they're still quicker or faster or stronger than a bunch of other guys in the league. That's not Jamal. Jamal needs to be get every ounce of his his athleticism out of himself to to right, really yeah. and it helps him so much defensively, getting into the paint, all that good stuff. Um, Peter? Okay. I gotta I gotta talk about something specific real quick because you did make a lot of great points, like all the reasons why you don't like certain parts about if it's game and all that stuff. That's fine. Mm-hmm. I just want to talk about the NBA as a whole and how this works and like who is and who isn't an Mm all-star Jamal Murray does not deserve to be an all-star based on his numbers because he was bad at the beginning of the season, right? Coming off injury and he's played like an all-star recently. So I totally understand his coach being like, we're in first place. He's playing at all-star level. Yes, he is playing at all-star level, but it's what you've done for the whole season. And the other part is all the guys we compare him to all his contemporaries Shea Gilgis, Alexander, De'Aaron Fox, uh, Steph Curry, Dame Lillard. You know what Donovan all those Mitchell. guys have in common? He's not in the West. You know what all well, those guys have in common? They're the lead ball handler for their team. So you can knock him for getting easy plays with Jokic, but he's also doesn't have to be the main creator. I'm not saying he's better than those guys or that he could do it. I'm just saying he's the number two on his team. He's not the number one. So just based on that, like his stats just aren't going to be those of a number one guy. And I'm fine with that because I've seen what he can do in the playoffs. And and I'm not worried about him. So can he get better? Of course. But I don't think it's a knock on Jamal Murray that he's not an all-star. Like, and of course he's going to take it personally, like mama mentality. But when we don't go, when we go into the playoffs this year, I'm not going to be like, oh no, we only have one (laughs) all-star. No, it, it's more that it's not that I need him to be an all-star. It's that I want him to make that like holistic control of the game growth. Yeah. That I think yeah, he'll, get there. he'll get there. He'll get there. I also think that's kind of what makes him the perfect nugget though, is that none of this was automatic or given for him is like the point guard skills. We saw that Portland series where he couldn't bring the ball up the court. Yeah. He was just getting hounded. He had to build up to that. He had to build some of these reads that, that Deuce is talking about, and I totally agree with it. 
he that didn't come to him automatically that was was worked for and built up and that's what in some ways obviously you hope they get to the final point but that's what fans love to see is is they he doesn't get to just show up and be the best guy in the gym he he has to build up to that he has to work his way into peak shape and physicality to be able to blow by guys it's not just automatic yeah i just i guess um to get back to like my original thing is like Flacco's talked about this so much is that him sitting on the bench as long as he did he was able to watch the game and watch yep. other people and through that really learn that sort of feel for where how to set guys up how to see the floor how to make reads and that sort of thing that's kind of what i was hoping we would get from jamal the 50 points well, are cool though he's he's averaging more assists so i i don't feel like he's not doing the things he needs to be doing yeah i i i and i feel you his numbers are up his numbers are up all around and and this is the best team he's ever been on like every yeah. pass is is to a really talented player in a way that it hasn't been ever before um so it's just more of an eye test thing for me uh, yeah i mean i well. will i, I will say one thing negatively about jamal the thing that's always frustrated me about him about him the most and deuce used a great word you know saying he doesn't process the game the best jamal murray is really good at the hard stuff in the nba but he makes mm -hmm. a lot of stuff harder on himself like he there's so many times when he has an open shot and he passes it up or like he he just he doesn't always make the easy play and that's i think what's the most frustrating well i think in this recent stretch he's done a great a better job of that of like being shot ready when he gets, you know, passes out, out yeah. to him and, and being more aggressive and, and that sort of thing. I think he's done that that well. Yeah, Peter, I mean, that's exactly right. That's what separates him from, you know, Devin Booker, Shea Gale, just Alexander, John Moran. It's like those guys get to their spots whenever they want to get to their their spots. Jamal, he his spots are usually tougher looks. They are. And um, his yeah. shot readiness has been improving, and that's – that's something that always drives everybody crazy. It's like, dude, just pull up. You're open from three. You're a great shooter. That's a great look for the team. Take that freaking shot. And uh, yeah, a lot of it's athleticism. Like, hey, when when he's able to get by guys, then it becomes an easy mid-range pull up instead of a, I'm going to do my hanging thing, which is the sexiest thing in the world when, you know, he hits it. I mean, it really is because he's such a talent. But yeah, I mean, he does create a little tougher shots than the best players in the league for sure. So that it's was almost my... like he's more worried about how it looks <laughs> than like how it's effective. Right. I mean, he likes like, the Shane Gilgis, you brought up. He, to me, he's like, he doesn't get credit for how smart he is as a basketball player because Shea Gilgis just, he, he, if he has a smaller defender on him, he gets to his spot every single time and just makes like a nice little six to 10 footer. And it's not that sexy. But people still haven't figured out to stop it, except that one game when we put Vlaco on him, you know, put the size on him, shut him down. So uh, that was beautiful. But, uh, Ray, one, I just want to comment on, on one thing real quick before we move on. Uh, Deuce, when you were talking about MPJ, I thought that was a great point in terms of, like, things you're looking for because, you know, I've been a big Michael Porter supporter for a long time. So I've trusted him for quite a while now. But it does start to feel now that, Malone and the team is trusting him like this is a big step and you know I was actually kind of thinking about this in the past week 
you know, people have brought up one dirty little secret about MPJ is that he has yet really to make an impact in a playoff winning series, you know, like in, in a monumental way. I know he hit that big shot against the Clippers, but he was like a – He had that good game in Portland. 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 He was like an ancillary Portland player. Game I mean, besides Portland game six. Actually, well, Portland series in general. He, he came through, but I, I don't think that was an adverse moment because we were up in that series. Um, what I'm thinking about as the Nuggets go into the playoffs later, you know, and we'll, we'll talk about matchups and stuff way later in the season, but I'm just starting to think, I think Jokic has gotten to the level where you hear so many really smart people talk about George Call. He's like, I don't know how you guard this guy. I think a lot of teams are actually going to look at it and start to treat Jokic like KD, where it's like, look, the guy's going to get 30. We're just going to single cover him. We're going to have to beat the Nuggets by identifying one player and like making that guy have a shit series. And they're still going to pick on MPJ. I think that's what's going to happen. They're going to try to cook him on defense, even though he's gotten better there. And they're whoever's guarding him, they're going to put a big guy, bigger defender on him, and they're probably going to face guard him and see if he can figure it out. Because he's to me, he's the guy that takes the Nuggets from a good team to a great team, right? When Michael Porter's on, the whole thing opens up and everything's clicking, and the Nuggets are just impossible to defend. And I'm going to be interested to see what what teams do against him because I feel like if you can take out Michael Porter, the Nuggets become mortal. Yeah, I. I agree with you, Peter. <clears throat> um, I think that Michael Porter uh, and getting these minutes with Jokic, just those two is so essential because that pretty much makes him the second best player on the court, which means the second best defender or the best wing defender is going to be on him. And he, I thought he's played pretty well. Um, obviously, he's had help. They've been sending screens, getting him free. Um, but he's also been getting in the lane. and He's been doing such a fantastic job of, of being a playmaker. So I, I totally echo that. I, I think that obviously he probably faced better wing defenders than anyone from Charlotte or I guess Miami wasn't too bad either, but, um, you know, Dallas as well. But I, I think that we'll see better wing defenders on him. But I, I don't know who's going to guard him for the Suns. I mean, Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. Good news. Good use. I mean, I feel like. Um, does anyone have anything to add before we move on? <laughs> no, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, I also wanted to talk about the All-Star game, All-Star weekend a little bit in this sense. So I feel like they've changed a lot. They've uh, made the three-point contest, the dunk contest, the skills challenge. It's all one night. They've added an NBA and HBCU classic, you know, on Saturday. It's Southern University versus Grambling State University. Um, they, uh, you know, they're trying. They're, they're trying to make it more accessible, more popular, all these things. Uh, Peter, I'll start with you. Do you care about All-Star Weekend? To, and to what extent do you? Um, yeah, I'll start with that. Not usually. I used to enjoy it a lot more as a kid. Um, I also do think it was better when I was growing up. Like, there was a lot more big names in the dunk contest. I mean, there was a lot more big names in the dunk contest like five years ago, right? I mean, we all remember the the Aaron Gordon, Zach Levine one. Yeah. Um, I, I got to be honest, like, I don't have a memorable three-point shooting contest memory for you guys. Like, I'm sure there's been some great performances, but 
as much as I love shooting threes, I think after a while it just kind of gets old. You're just like watching the same thing over and over again. I will say that my favorite part of All-Star Weekend is like the first five minutes of the All-Star game and then the last like last 10 five. minutes if they're taking it seriously. Here's why. No, it's just – I just think it's really cool when you have the best athletes in the world like all in one spot on the same time. Just seeing the talent and like – and it's always also funny to like see the like one or two guys that actually like are really trying to kill everybody else. It's usually Giannis and Embiid and like back when he was good, Westbrook. They just like playing balls out and I just – I love it because it's like you see everybody's personality come out, right? Some guys are like, I'm here to cut your throat. Some guys are like James Harden. I'm just, you know, hoping nobody notices I'm hungover. And then like, <laughs> you know, LeBron's just trying to make friends with everybody, trying to recruit people. It's like it, it's Harden, like it's Harden like, is used to Harden's used to playing like that, dude. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's but, built for that. He's he's yeah, for it's, that. Like, it's just <laughs> it's almost like a NBA high school, right? It's like everybody's like back together for recess, and it's just it's cool to see all these like really famous mega athletes in one spot like having a good time and just i just like to watch it for a little bit just to kind of see like who's doing what so dudes uh, i'm curious do you care about the all-star game if so how much and if not what could they do what could change about the all-star weekend as a whole any of the events uh, to, be honest, to make bro, you even slightly more interested to be honest bro i just like dedicate so much of my life to watching the Denver Nuggets play basketball that I'll take any week off that I can get. <laughs> so, so uh, no, I don't. Um, but I would say that my main draw for the all-star game is just seeing Jokic and just seeing like his vibe and seeing what he does. So if I'm free, I'm going to tune in to, to see Jokic, but now done contest and three point, like three point contest. I would have wanted to catch if a nugget was in it, but realistically that stuff I'm just catching on Twitter and YouTube. So, um, for me, I just, eh, like, honestly, no comment on what they could do just cause like, honestly, I just really don't care. Like for me, I just love watching the nuggets and my team. And can I give you, you know, a what if, yeah, like kind of, I'm kind of whatever, but like, I think this weekend, like, you know, it's always fun to see Jokic. And I mean, he's not surprising taking a backseat always in the All-Star game. So, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe he puts his imprint on the game more this year. Who, who knows? What if Jokic only shot Sambor doubles, Sambor shuffles? <laughs> that would be fire, dude. Like, let me see a floater from behind a three-point line, maybe something like that, like a little, like, you know, one-footed jumper from behind the three-point line. Um, you know, but All-Star Game, not exactly a place for Yoke. And so, you know, I don't know, man. <laughs> not It's not the best. This weekend, I will say it is a bummer that, you know, I was like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, like, anti getting worked up on twitter about the nuggets disrespect but like the it would have been nice to see a little bit more nuggets representation this weekend for the top team um at least in the three-point contest give us a little love baby that's fair i do i mean i do wish there was more representation part of me feels like uh, do we I think we the Nuggets deserve more representation. At the same time, I don't feel like the Nuggets have done enough for 
the community at large to feel entitled to that sort of thing. And like, I know like, like uh, NBA community or like Denver, um, Denver, the nuggets, like the team, the fans, like, uh, as a whole, I don't feel like we have the, I don't feel like the nuggets have done enough where there is this, this notion that like, of course they should be two all-stars, three all-stars, you know? Uh, of course they should be in three point contest. Like I think on some level it's, you know, popularity and things that you no know, if we should also convince the fact that most of us don't really care about the all-star game like that. I want Aaron Gordon to be in the all-star game. I'm probably not gonna watch the all-star game. I just want that that like check mark next to his uh X number of time all-star. You know, he deserves that. That's what I feel like he deserves. But you know, that's how I feel. Uh, I'm dull. I'm kind of curious. So if you do watch the all-star weekend, uh, what do you watch? And if you don't, what could get you to watch it? Yeah, I'm actually pretty pissed off that a lot of nuggets didn't get accepted to the all-star. So, um, I'm actually boycotting it this year, but I actually do. <laughs> <laughs> Join us. We're all boycotting it this year. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Um, I, I, I like watching it. I mean, you get into a rhythm of watching the nuggets every other night and it's just like, mm -hmm. well, now we got a week without them. So now my life is, I don't know. It's just, it feels empty. So I, you, you got to watch the stars. I mean, you got to watch a little bit. They always kind of, you know, it's not very competitive. It's not that interesting, but um, I, I, I definitely think that they could do a better job with the dunk contest. Like, I, I think I was saying something about this earlier today. Like, like they need to find the players and use that money that they find them and put it right back into the pot. And they need to up the pot of how much you win. Obviously, um, you know, it's not going to be like, you know, a million dollars or $2 million. I think right now the winner gets like a hundred thousand dollars, you know, maybe cranked up to 500,000. And then whoever rejects the bid to go to the all-star break or excuse me to the dunk contest, you know, then you go ahead and add that money to the pot, charge them, bill them 25k you know don't make it steep and and you want these guys who you know especially the guys who aren't on very big contracts you want these guys to be in this dunk contest i i, I think that what they need to do moving forward and th they never will do this but it would be absolutely a great format would be you have two guys uh for as like the rising stars um you have like mm -hmm. the you know make them be like they've got to be at least 20 years old to 25 years old to fit into that category and then they have two physical all-stars that are at the event. And then they have two veteran players that are about 30 plus. Um, and you have each of those guys go face off against each other. Uh, so yeah, each give them two dunks. Uh, so the 20, the two contestants for the 25 and under will go. And then the two will go for the all-stars and et cetera. And then you get all of them going to the finals where the reigning champion will get a bye to the finals. And then it's everyone's best dunk. Um, you got four guys competing against each other for the best dunk. And I think that that would be great. Um, I think that would be a way to resurrect it, but I don't, I, I don't know. I, th that's just my opinion. I think that it would be a great idea. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, I'm thinking like Jeff green and who in the dunk contest, um, Jokic put him in the dunk contest, Oh man! No, but old, but old guys, you need another old guy basically. Somebody like 36, 37. Is Derek Jones Jr. old enough yet? 
Nah, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. I wouldn't mind Udonis Haslam just for like fun. <laughs> yeah. I am bummed. I know Shaden Sharp was invited because that guy has freaky, freaky hops. I thought he had accepted for initially and pulled out. Yeah, he is did. he hurt or did he just pull No, out? I think they said it was because he wasn't put in the Rising Stars game, I thought I saw, maybe, somewhere. Mm-hmm. I thought he said he wanted to focus <laughs> on the second half. <laughs> the, the, the cringiest thing in NBA history was Jackson Hayes posting on Instagram how mad he was about not ma- making the Rising Stars. I thought, didn't like, his agent put out a statement, says, too? Um, looks, like Shaden, full looks like press <laughs> release. Looks like Shaden Sharp right there with him. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's fair. Uh, Jared, do you have any All Star Weekend suggestions, tips, adjustments? Uh, suggestions, not really. I, I think with the dunk contest, I kind of land if you want to try something, go for it. Why not? I, I, I guess a lot of it just comes down to it is more for kids and for casual fans to check in. Mm-hmm. We're not we're not the audience for it, is kind of what, what I land on with that. Um I'm more of just like, whereas Deuce said he'll take the week off as a someone who's way too deep in fantasy basketball. I don't like the week off. Oh, really? <laughs> I'd rather have the random game to watch. I'll watch just... Pistons Magic. But... Oh, God. Uh, he's, a, he's a thicko, <laughs> folks. Yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's um, hilarious. I mean, so if anything crazy cool. happens, it's kind of like what also what Deuce was saying. I'll catch a clip on Twitter or or YouTube or something if if I need to. But and I might watch a couple minutes of the actual All Star game. But that's that's about it. Fair enough. Fair enough. Right. Yeah. If, if anyone has an idea like Dole for the dunk contest, I say just try things every year. Why not? I yeah, I have an idea. Okay. So this will never happen in a million years but i know all of you would watch a 16 player single elimination one-on-one tournament think of all the matchups you could have you could have like steph versus dame kd versus lebron lebron versus luka Jokic versus Embiid, Jokic versus Giannis. no i mitchell versus booker Alexander, like I love this idea. I absolutely love this idea, but you're approaching it all wrong. It needs to be straight, strictly players who have beef with beef with one another. It needs to be Jamal Murray versus Devin Booker. I love it. Bones Highland versus Jamal Murray. Bones Highland versus Michael Malone. I mean, oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Jimmy Butler versus TJ Warren. Oh my god. Versus the Morris twins. Yes. Yes. Two v one. They would make a rule exception. I was about to say that that's Bones Highland's path to NBA glory. That yeah, idea. Yeah. Just right. taking Michael Malone's ankles. <laughs> no, but 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 seriously, if if they did do something like this, it would need to be like one person gets selected, then they go call someone out. That's how it needs to that's how it needs to happen. Well, this is kind of like Ray's idea where if you get into a fight on the court, there's like an end of season charity boxing match. <laughs> <laughs> I would support that also, but this uh, this this sounds like a good idea too. Uh, probably less uh, less liability. I mean, the owners would hate it because guys that would take it seriously, then like there'd be an injury. But yeah, 
the last round, Jamal, Crawford, Jamal Crawford comes out from the crowd, and you have to beat Jamal Crawford. <laughs> <laughs> that would be hilarious. And they would make a video game about all sorts. This this whole story would be like the best. I don't know. Yeah. Do you guys remember NBA Ballers from like the PS2 era? Yeah, it just me. So yeah. It'd be something like more, that. Where it's more like, of a street man myself, but yeah, uh, NBA Street was cool too. But yeah. This is when Isaiah Thomas will finally get picked up again. Yes, it'll yep. be to be in the one. Oh, one. Right. Get, like that, that. That would be the funny thing if if you just if you actually did like a tournament where every single player in the NBA had to be in it, you'd have like some G League guard like beat Al Holford one on one. Marcus <laughs> Howard would go. Marcus Howard, his title would go off. Yes. Honestly. Can I get Andre Miller versus It? Oh my god, <laughs> It is so far under the basket. Every play, <laughs> for sure. Um, you know, looking back, it's so crazy that he was like that good for a couple years. Isaiah yeah. Thomas was a top five. I mean, I stand by this. One of the craziest seasons. I mean, we're ever. It gonna really was that it season in Boston, man. Like, are you kidding me? It's insane. Boston. I mean, they got they got some cooking up there, man. I don't even get it. That was, that was crazy. crazy. That was insane. Yeah. Cool. Uh, well, I feel like that was that was fun. Uh, I feel like we should wrap now. We're pretty deep in. Uh, so if you've made it this far, you are the real MVP. And I appreciate you. You can uh, find us, uh, me, Rayvon Hackshaw, Deuce at Chill Deucey, uh, Big Dole at Jokic's Delicious Revenge, Peter at Buckets and 88. Jarrett is on Twitter somewhere. You can find him if you feel like it. Um, and we will catch you next time. <laughs>